five, four, three, two, one. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Unplugged Podcast by the Athlete Tech Group. I'm your host, Randy Osei. And today's episode, we're here with Jordan Subban, former Vancouver Canucks forward, currently playing in the Austrian League, a good Toronto guy and all-around great Canadian. How are you doing today, my friend? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. It's good to be on. Good. It's great to have you, man. Today's episode is going to be great. You know, we know you have a, a long history with hockey and, and family and, and business, so really, really looking forward to, to dive into all of that. But before we get started, I wanted to ask, you know, what has life been like for you in recent months? Um, you know, what changes have you had to make due to COVID-19? Uh, I think, yeah, COVID's affected everybody. I think for me at the start, um, there really wasn't much of an effect just seeing as I, I came back right after my season was over. And um, usually after my season's over, I kind of take like a two-week period at least, like where I just like kind of like chill out and, you know, catch up with friends and family. So um, there was no real difference um, for me. Obviously, I wasn't working and I didn't have any obligations. Um, but just going moving forward, I'm living with my girlfriend downtown, and um, there has been quite an adjustment. Um, it's different living together and then being together all the time. But it's been smooth. It's been good so far. I've just been trying to make the most out of the opportunity to uh, to better myself and stay stay active. Absolutely, absolutely. Now. How how was your you know your experience playing and living in Austria and how does it compare to you know just being back home right now in Toronto? Yeah, playing overseas was completely different. Um, it was a great experience. It's kind of an eye opener. It's a it's a different uh, a different way of living and it, it took some adjusting, but I was grateful for my time over there. Um, not only in Austria, but having the opportunity to travel to to some pretty cool places um, in Europe and just relax and go on vacations it was it was a good experience have you had to learn much german while you're in austria or like what was like the language barrier like for you over there yeah i did i did At the, for the first few weeks when i went grocery shopping and everything i had to uh i had to bring one of my teammates with me <laughs> um to kind of translate not only to people but like like uh just on like certain things like what is this <laughs> you know what i mean like what like and i just have a lot of allergies and stuff so the, the grocery shopping um i just had to make sure that i wasn't um consuming anything which could kill me um <laughs> i ended up doing that when i went by myself uh so but uh yeah the language barrier was okay there's actually a lot of people that spoke english um there and then obviously when i traveled to some bigger cities um everybody you know spoke English at restaurants and everything. So it was good. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, one thing that you talked about there was adjusting, right? And um, as an athlete, as an entrepreneur, uh, adjusting is almost like your middle name. You get traded to a new team, new city, COVID-19. Life is all about adjusting. What is, what is your perspective when, you know, you, you face a new challenge? in your life, whether it's personal, business, uh, community related, like how do you, what's, what's Jordan Subban's perspective when it comes to dealing with adversity or adaptation? Yeah, I think you touched on it a little bit. Just being an athlete, um, whether it's trades, uh, new teams, you know, day to day, game by game, shift by shift, um, 
you know, it's almost ingrained in you. It almost becomes second nature um, to to train yourself how to deal with, you know, um, adversity. And um, it teaches you how to adjust to things very quickly. And to me, I think the best way that I would put it is it's it's almost like a mindset, you know, where when when oftentimes I, I find when when people are faced with adversity or they're in a position where they need to adjust to continue to have success or, um, you know, bring out the best in them. Um, it's, it's often like a mindset. And I think that's, that's something that I've developed, um, from playing, from playing sports. Um, in this case, we're talking about, um, you know, adjusting to a new country, to a new culture. Um, it's, it's, it's all in your mind. It's what you tell yourselves and, um, just having that experience and being able to, to know how to deal with those, those situations and having a positive outlook, um, you know, has helped me tremendously, not only in, in hockey, but I think in life as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now you, you, you play a sport that, you know, you're, you're considered a minority. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, we, we know the, the, there's the hockey diversity Alliance. Um, how do you think that the HDA can shift the narrative and, and help obtain racial equality in hockey? Yeah, I think, I think what they're doing is great. Um, you know, obviously it is a majority um, of, of white, of white people who play hockey. Um, and just from my perspective, I never felt that way once, once I was on the ice, you know, hockey is one of those sports where it's obviously a very physical, very competitive sport. Um, where it's like, once you get on the ice, you know, nothing matters. It doesn't matter, um, you know, your skin color or what you've done before, what you could, or what, what you're doing, like that all kind of shifts away. But do I think that, um, there are some things in hockey that, um, can lead it to be a more diverse sport? Yes. And I think, I think that they're, they're taking the right steps. Um, but you know, that's going to be a process. That's going to be a process. And, um, you know, I don't have, I don't have all of the answers, but, um, I'm sure, you know, like everybody else, you know, I hope, uh, you know, hockey continues to, to become more diverse and specifically with, with, uh, with, with, with black, with, with black people. And I think that would be, be, be something great to see. Absolutely. So have you encountered any instances of, of racism? And if so, would, like, would you feel comfortable sharing them with us and our viewers today? As yeah, I think, you know, up until this year, I would say I would, my answer to that question would have been no. Um, but uh, when I was playing in Austria, we were uh, um, playing an away game. And, uh, you know, the fans started making uh, monkey, monkey noises at me um, while I was in the penalty box um, towards the end of the game. And I didn't hear it. I didn't hear it or I, or I, I probably would have had um, a much different reaction. I definitely would have had a much different reaction, um, but I didn't. I didn't. I didn't hear it. And uh, when I when I came off the ice, you know, after my teammates were all, you know, mad. We had lost that game, and they're all mad. And you know, for a second, I, because I didn't hear it, I was like, you know, this is kind of an overreaction to a loss. You know, let's not embarrass ourselves. Let's just get out of here and you know, <laughs> you know, go on the road. And then one of my teammates told me what happened, and I was. I was in shock. I was, I was in shock. And the first thing that came to mind, I was in shock was, uh, you know, when I came to, to play in Austria and 
you know, all of the fans and all of the, you know, my teammates, the organization, everybody treated me so well. And um, because of, you know, my last name and my family and, you know, the notoriety that that carries, I was often, you know, especially on the road, greeted with, um, you know, you know, positive, positive um, vibes and messages, you know, from the fans. Um, so I was in shock because I couldn't, I, I just, I couldn't believe it. Um, I was disappointed and, you know, I didn't know what to do. So in, in Europe, it's, it's different than in, in North America where, you know, every team has their fan section. So what, what happened was there was the fan section in the way in the, when we were playing on the road that was making these monkey noises. So I didn't, I didn't know how the league was going to address it or whatever. Um, it took a few days for the league to actually reach out to me. And they had said that they had banned all of the fans um, that were making the, uh, the, the monkey noises at me. Um, but other than that, that's, that's pretty much all that I heard. I, when we went back to play there at the end of the year, um, there was, you know, nothing like that transpired. So um, it was one of those things where I know who I am. Um, you know, I know that is not, um, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't define me. I'm not somebody who's going to let that bother me. Um, does it suck? Yes. Should it happen? No. Um, should they be banned? Absolutely. Um, but, you know, my focus was, you know, just get them on the ice. You know, they could say whatever they want to me, but I'm going to play my game. I'm going to be effective and I'm not going to let that bother me. What do you think your reaction would have been if you heard it while you were in the penalty box? Um, yeah, I, I mean, my reaction to put it simple was that, uh, you know, they, they wouldn't do it to my face. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if I, if I saw them, if I confronted them, if I, you know, met them after the game, I'm sure they would say nothing, Absolutely. you know, but, uh, you know, I'm not going to give them any excuses as to like drinking too much or anything like that, but. Um, you know, things happen. Um, I don't think there's a place in the game for that in any game or in any situation. Um, but yeah, like I said, it's it's uh, it's very cowardly. And like I said, no one no one would do that to my face. Absolutely. Yeah. No. I think I think one of the one of the big things that you know we're learning this year is you know um, black people. Um, we don't have the same opportunities, right? We don't have the same, um, like things aren't equal. And I think this year has, has, has brought it to the forefront for everybody to see um, from, you know, the, the, the killings of, of people on social media, and protesting and everything else like that. I, I think I think this time is going to allow us to come closer as a human race. Uh, I don't know when or how, but when you see that someone else is going through something that you didn't know, empathy becomes a thing, right? Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm very sad and disappointed to hear that, you know, you experienced that. You know, my hope is you don't have to deal with that again moving forward, but I really enjoy and happy to hear that, you know, you, you look at it from that angle 
um, where you don't allow it to anger you and, you know, make you do something dumb and, you know, create something that you'll, you'll regret later on. Um, cause it can be very hurtful, right? Like you're not a monkey. Like none of us are monkeys. <laughs> this isn't planet of the apes. Like, why do you think it's okay? But, uh, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you, you, you handle that, uh, the right way. I wanted to, uh, you know, talk to you a little bit about, you know, your hockey career. You were drafted into the NHL by the Canucks, played some, played and spent some time in the AHL, and you haven't broken to the NHL yet. Um, I, I definitely do see it coming. Have you enjoyed your journey in, 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 you know, trying to make it to the NHL? Yeah, it's been, it's been a, it's, it's a journey, man. Um, everybody's path is different. Um, and I've, I've learned that I've seen that not only in hockey, but in all sports, do you know? So I started my career off in Vancouver, um, played in the AHL there in, in Utica, uh, was an all-star in the AHL my second year, um, put up a couple of good seasons, um, was called up to the NHL, uh, didn't, didn't play, but had the opportunity to experience just being in the NHL and, um, you know, being around and seeing what that's all about, obviously, you know, with my two brothers playing in the NHL as well, um, just having a, a, you know, a general understanding of, of what it takes and, you know, what it's like. Um, but yeah, it's been a journey from there. I went to, I got traded to uh, Los Angeles, the, the Kings, uh, played on, on the AHL team there and then had an opportunity to, you know, play in Toronto and sign, sign with the Leafs, play, play for Toronto, uh, the, the, uh, the Marlies, um, which was another tremendous experience. But um, you know, you, you, you just never know where it's, where it's going to take you. You know, all I can do is put in the effort, put in the work and, um, you know, and, you know, control what I can control and not think about what's, what's out of my control. But um, yeah, the experience has been great. I've met a lot of great people, had a lot of great experiences and I've learned a lot. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's great to hear. I think, you know, I'm a big Kobe fan and, you know, one of his last speeches was, you know, find joy in the journey. Right. Not necessarily, not so much the destination, but the journeys where you learn about yourself, um, you know, from from Randy to Jordan, you know, keep pushing and keep moving things forward. You talk about your brothers, um, you know, your older brothers that are in the NHL. And I'd like to think you look up to both of your brothers. Um, what are some of the things that, you know, they've done that have inspired you and what advice have they given you, uh, not only for hockey, but for life? Uh, I think, um, you know, both of my brothers for sure. Like, first I'll talk about Malcolm. Um, one thing that, that, that has inspired me about Malcolm was that, you know, I don't know if a lot of people know, but he switched from, um, you know, defense, you know, an outfield player, let's say, to, to goalie when he was 13 years old. Wow. You know, like, yeah. So, so he started when he was, when he was 13 as a, as a goaltender and, a lot of people will also tell you he was, you know, the best out of all three of us while he was playing defense, you know. So for him to get to where he is today took a tremendous amount of work and dedication. And, you know, it wasn't an easy road. Like um, he was drafted to the 11th in the 11th round to the OHL. Um, you know, I was drafted in the first round to the OHL, you know, and then he went from an 11th round draft pick in the, in the OHL to two years later being a first round draft pick to the NHL, you know? So, you know, that's a difference of, of five years from when he turned goalie to when he was drafted. And, you know, 
going from an 11th round pick to a first round pick is nothing but dedication and hard work and perseverance. So I'm really proud of him, um, you know, for, for being where he is today. He's putting a lot of work. Malcolm's, you know, not like um, PK at all, um, almost opposites. And, you know, you say the same for myself when you, when you, when you talk about Malcolm being um, very, very soft-spoken and not very outspoken. He's a, he's a very quiet guy, but he works hard and he deserves everything that he has. And with PK, um, you know, just what he's done, um, you know, with his, with his charities, you know, I think a lot of people, you know, most notably talk about, um, you know, his charitable donations to the Montreal Children's Hospital. And I think as a family, that's something that we're most, we're most proud of him for. Um, and he has a lot of accomplishments, but, um, you know, just the mix of, you know, hard work and dedication and being a true professional and as well, just being a good person. I think, um, you know, those are, those are things that I look up to my brothers for. hundred percent. I think uh, um, you could learn a lot from those two, you know, they've, they've seen success in, in, in different views and different perspectives. So, it's really on you to, you know, define what success means to you. Because um, you, you have two guys that are, are doing it um, on, a, on a different level. So um, I guess my next question is, you know, how are you using hockey to continue making an impact in your community? Yeah, so for me, it's just like little things. I mean, just just like little things. Like I have you know, kids will like reach out to me on Instagram and just stuff like that, where it sometimes gets lost, you know, the effect that you have on, on children um, and how much kids actually look up to you, you know, and you don't have to be, you know, a PK Subban or Connor McDavid. It's just like, I have kids that like reach out to me and, you know, just, you know, that makes me feel good that I could, you know, just do a little bit like messages them back or like their photo or something, you know, that they post of, of us together. Um, and, you know, just send them like a nice message, you know, that inspires them. And I know that when I was, when I was young, that, that, that those kind of things would have um, went a long way for me. And they did go along for me when, when guys would, uh, would reach out to me and, um, you know, just pay attention to me. 100%. 100%. Now, you know, going back to your family, obviously you, you grew up in a, in a pretty competitive environment back home. Um, can you remember any situations where you could, you could already see that competitive spirit and that fire coming out amongst you guys as brothers? Was it like video games, Monopoly, you know, playing? Uh, I remember growing up, I was a big, I loved, um, what was that game? It was, it was, Oh my gosh. I played it all through from grade one to eight during recess. It was uh, with a tennis ball for hockey. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I played foot, foot. We, we had a leaderboard and scoreboard, and I always tried to, to lead my grade six group in scoring. <laughs> um, yeah. But I wasn't a big hockey guy. But this was a, a game that I could, you know, because I couldn't skate. I, I still can't skate. Yeah. Um, so hockey was never a thing for me, but foot hockey was my game. You know, I think I led my grade, our grade sixes in scoring like two weeks in a row. Um, but back to the question, uh, growing up, what were, what were some competitive things that you guys did that you guys were always 
you know, competing and you're trying to beat your brothers and your brothers are trying to beat you? What were some of the competitive games that you guys played growing up? Yeah, I would say everything was a competition. I, I'd say the big, the the biggest two were video games, and when we uh, when we would play on the outdoor rink in the backyard, um, in the winter time. But yeah, video games, video games was because there's just so many that we would play, um, and there was a lot of controllers that that I had broken, um, just out of sheer, um, you know, competitiveness is how I like to put it. <laughs> um, and not, you know, there's no such thing as a sore loser. So, um, yeah, I'd say video games and then just playing on the outdoor rink. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, I want to I wanna shift into, you know, business, right? The, the, um, the Unplugged podcast is around entrepreneurship and business and um, things like that. Now, we've chatted previously. Um, you know, you last year, I believe, you recently attended the Bridge Summit from Next Play Capital. How did you find the experience and, you know, what did you like about the summit? Yeah. So the last two years, well, this past year, uh, 2020, obviously with COVID, it was a virtual summit, but the year before I'd actually had a chance to go down to San Francisco. Um, Ryan Neese, who's, who, he's, uh, you know, the head of, of Next Play, Next Play Capital, um, had invited me down and it was a tremendous experience just to be able um, to, you know, be there with, you know, athletes, with similar mindsets and in, you know, all sorts of different um, situations, but um, to be surrounded by, you know, peers who, um, do you know, have the same mindset or almost in the same opportunity or same situation, you know, as myself, that, that helped. Um, And then just the opportunity to, to listen, meet and chat with, you know, numerous entrepreneurs, you know, venture capitalists, uh, you know, founders, you know, um, you know, and visit, you know, startups and companies and um, all together, it was just an amazing experience where um, I just had the ability to to learn and connect. Um, and, you know, without, without, uh, without, uh, you know, to, to learn and connect and just have that opportunity was was amazing. Um, and I'm looking forward to next year, hopefully with, with COVID being over across the fingers, um, you know, being able to go back down there and, and continue. Absolutely. Now, would you, as an athlete, would you recommend all athletes to get involved with, you know, these events and these summits that are curated for athletes? I think so. Um, I would, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm always careful when I say, you know, everybody, because obviously everything's not for everybody, but when I think specifically about athletes, you know, we have a very, very short, you know, time frame, um, in our, in each of our sports, you know, some more than others, but the majority is, is a, is a, is a very short time, um, if you're comparing it to, you know, quote, quote, unquote, normal, normal jobs, normal careers. Um, so there's always going to be a life after sport. And um, I think for a lot of venture or athletes, you're almost entrepreneurs, you know, by, by second nature, like your, your second nature is almost to be an entrepreneur. So I think if you have an opportunity to visit, any of these summits, any of these entrepreneurial summits and learn and set yourself up for life after sport. I think 
it's definitely a good start. Absolutely. Now you talked about how athletes are somewhat entrepreneurs. Could you take a deeper dive into, you know, what, what you mean by that? Cause they, in the news, they say athletes make great CEOs and founders and um, great entrepreneurs. What do you mean by that? Yeah. So what I mean by that is if, if you're a professional athlete um, and you're playing, you know, a team sport, whether it's, you know, hockey, soccer, football, baseball, basketball, um, you know, specifically in North America, the big five, um, you know, you're part of a business, whether you like it or not. And if you don't think you are, at some point, you're going to learn that you're part of a business. It's, it's inevitable. Um, and being in that business and being a part of that business, um, even if you might not know it now, you are learning um, a, lot of, a lot of skills and you're developing a lot of skills and knowledge on how actual business businesses work and are run, you know, in the real world. And um, the part that I would say is closest to being an entrepreneur is that you are always forced to adjust. You're always forced to adjust. And a lot of guys or not, or, or very few guys will have, you know, long contracts. So they're kind of tied in. So you know, that is, you know, a little bit different, but for the majority, you, you know, you have short-term one, two, three-year deals, and then you're forced to adjust, and, you know, you have to, you know, worry about this, and it's almost like day-to-day-to-day, and it's like you can never be settled. You can never be laxed. You're always on go. You always have to continue to push forward and continue to learn and grow and become better, and I think those skills um, will, will help a lot of athletes um, translate you know, um, to becoming a, a successful entrepreneur um, after sport. Absolutely. Absolutely. So those skills that you, you, you learn, such as maybe some of the skills that athletes have that transfer, you know, in my mind, you know, discipline, you know, working on the team. Um, what are some other skills that you think transfer for athletes into entrepreneurship and business? Well, for me, from my experience, just playing on, um, you know, multiple different teams, there's always been, um, you know, a common saying or a common belief um, that's preached, you know, to the team. And that's always, it's said in many different ways, but essentially what's said is believe, you know, believe in the process or trust in the process. And what that means is like, you know, it's a long season, you know, we're not going to get the results now but just trust in what we're doing and day by day and day, and it'll come together. So just continue to work. You know, if you have a bad game or if you have a bad day, just forget about it, move forward, make adjustments and just keep on moving forward. And I think that has to do with, um, you know, dedication and perseverance as well, but it's also just a mindset in itself that's engraved in you. Um, You can't be, you know, in January and, and thinking about that game in, in, in September or October, you just got to, you know, focus on what you could do next, continue to move forward, be positive and believe in what we're doing as a team. And nobody is, not one person is bigger than the team. We have to do it together. Collectively, we have to believe in each other, believe in ourselves and um, just continue to find ways to, to move forward. Now, what interests you the most about the business world? And how are you looking to get involved as your athletic career moves forward? Yeah, so 
for me, it started maybe five years ago. Um, um, to make a long story short, um, I was robbed at gunpoint in my house. And uh, yeah, so Xboxes were taken and everything was taken. And I was kind of just sitting there, um, you know, bored and like wondering, you know, what am I going to do next? Um, so with all of, you know, those things that were keeping me from being productive now gone, um, you know, my interest sort of shifted to, you know, what do I want to do after hockey? You know, it was kind of like a wake up call. And uh, I took an interest in tech and um, computer programming and app development. Absolutely. And, you know, this, this, this sounds like it, it brings in a lot of the, the, the things that we talked about earlier in this conversation with, you know, the HDA, um, you know, your, your brothers having a, uh, a presence in the community. Um, it sounds like you're, you're, you're more so going to be a social entrepreneur, right? Matching profit with purpose and allowing and, and using your platform to, for the greater good of all. So going back to your story about, you know, being, being robbed at, at gunpoint, and very sorry to hear that that happened. Um, you talked about that being kind of a wake up call that being, you know, that your eyes have, have now opened up and, you know, I need to look at the world differently. Um, I can say we've seen the same thing with COVID-19 where a lot of athletes were not making any money anymore. They, you know, they have a game to play anymore. Um, and now they're all looking, for, well, they were looking for, well, what do I do next, right? We saw a lot of athletes create TikToks and get into gaming and, you know, create YouTubes and vlogs and began to become a lot more entrepreneurial. But one thing mm -hmm. that I feel that athletes continuously miss out on is the knowledge gap in and around financial literacy. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts? And like, what are your thoughts when it comes to athletes and financial literacy? Obviously, you know, you guys make a lot more money than the general public. And because of that, we know a lot of athletes will pay someone to take care of their finances. Um, what are your thoughts when it comes to financial literacy and, and athletes? Is it, do you see it as one of those things, you know, as you become a professional athlete, have a financial advisor there, but as you're slowly going on, you're learning and learning and using less and less of the financial advisor. Is it more of a, you know, work with the financial advisor till you retire. So they make sure that your stuff is perfectly set up. So things move yeah. forward, so on and so forth. Where does Jordan Subban sit on that on that uh, teeter totter? Yeah, Randy, that's a good uh, that's a good question. Thanks. I think with um, I think with um, you know in regards to financial literacy with with athletes, it is it is a profession in which um, you know it has just become almost just assumed. You know that you're going to have someone there to control your finances, to control your opportunities um, in regards to sponsorships and deals and, 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 and whatnot. So I think with athletes, it's, it's about empowering yourselves. And I think that term is, is thrown around a lot, but um, once, once your career is over, do you know, and, you know, whether it's your agent or whoever you have in place, your financial advisor, once your career is over and you're not making money, 
it's it's a business and i think that's when it when it kicks into people that okay it is a business you know when these people aren't just there to say hey i'm your friend you know i'm gonna continue doing these things for you it's like no you you have, you still have to pay me you know but now you're not making any income and it's like well shit i can't do this myself you know and i think that's what what the issue is in regards to to athletes where it's like as an athlete i believe you need to empower yourself and not be so reliant on your agent, on you know your financial advisor, because when it's all said and done, and you're not playing anymore, it's a business, you know, and you're nothing other. For the most part, I'm not saying that a lot of people don't develop good, good and great relationships, but for the most part, um, you know, it's a business, and 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 you'll be cut loose just like anybody else, you know. If you're if you're if you can't provide, you know profit or opportunity to to make profit you know nobody's gonna work for free so i think if you're an athlete you know and i've been a professional athlete now for the last what seven years so i know for the most part i speak specifically in hockey you have so much time to educate yourself you know i would go to the rink at nine and i'd be home by by 11 you know like it's just you have you just have you know an abundance of time to to educate yourself and and learn and you know see what you can do and there's no there's no there's no issue with asking for help but my take on it has always been well let me see how far my hand can reach before i like run to 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 reach out my hand and ask somebody what they could do for me like see what you can do for yourself before you know asking for help from others you know, and that's not to say that you're against asking for help or you think that you can do everything on your own because you can't, but unless you actually take the time to educate yourself, you don't know how far you're will, you're capable of going, you know, on your own. 100%. 100%. I love that. I love that. Because you, you, you hit it right on the head. You know, these financial advisors, these agents, they're there. Once you stop playing and you're not making the money, why would they still be there, right? You guys could still have a great relationship, but it comes down to how are they, how are they still going to be a value add to you when they're not being paid? And these people will disappear. You hit it right on the head, 100%, 100%. Now, I wanted to ask you about, you know, you know, being a pro athlete over the last seven years, have you found out that most hockey players, so I know we spoke about athletes, I wanna speak about hockey players, do you feel that most professional hockey players have enough financial literacy to find success after the sport is done? Or do you think the leagues, the NHLs, the CHLs, the OHLs, the leagues across waters need to do a better job of setting their players up for success after they're done on the ice? Yeah, I mean, that's a tough question. I know I'll speak specifically when I was playing in the AHL. I know that there are programs in place um, to to help players with their, you know, life after hockey. Um, but it was one of those things where it was there. If you wanted to take advantage of it, then it was there for you. Um, I know one of the common things um, that, that hockey players do after they're done is um, there's a program to become firefighters, which is very similar to almost, you know, being a professional hockey player, the culture, the environment, 
Um, but uh, like I said, that's just not something that I wanted to do necessarily. So I took the steps to, you know, reach out to, you know, people like Ryan nieces of the world and, you know, attend the bridge summit and educate myself in that way. So do I think um, they could, it could be better? I mean, yeah, what couldn't be? I, I think, um, you know, they could offer, you know, different, different options, you know, more options, more insight um, and more opportunity. Um, but like most things in the world, like everything in the world regard in, in regards to business, you know, it's there for you if you want it, you know, if you want to learn, if you want to take an interest in, you know, your life after hockey. Um, but uh, no one's going to be there, be there waiting for you with, with, uh, you know, with a briefcase and with, with a box full of, you know, knowledge and say, hey, I got, I got it for you every day. And they're not just going to come up to you every single day and ask you, you know, that's not how life works. So, um, yeah. Absolutely. No, thank you. That was, that was an absolute great answer. Now, you know, we, we look at athletes that are entrepreneurial, not everyone starts their own tech company or this, a lot of athletes like to just brand themselves and, mm -hmm. you know, NHL players as a whole, um, uh, aren't marketed that well, right? Yeah. How do you find, the the NHL could do a better job in, in helping the, their 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 products their athletes become more marketable. I think with the NHL, it's it's a little different because, um, just from my experience, the majority of the players are are more reserved. They're more reserved, um, and I think that just has to do with the culture of hockey. Um, whether people want to argue whether that's right or whether it's wrong um that's that's just my take on it um i think a lot of things or a lot like what what players have to realize or what players should realize is um investing in yourself is the best way um if you're not get a started tech company or you don't want to you know have your own company afterwards um and setting yourself up for after hockey um because your name you're, 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 you know, that carries value, that carries weight. Um, and it's most valuable when you're still playing. So there's like, again, like, like your career, there's a short, uh, a short window of time for you to take advantage of that. Because once you're done playing, unless you're Wayne Gretzky or Sidney Crosby, um, you know, it's not going to hold that same, that same weight. Um, and I think with a lot of players, if you look at it, like, like now you see all these tech companies, um, that are, you know, coming up and, you know, just worth billions and billions and billions of dollars, like Uber, for instance, uh, before they IPO'd, Uber was losing, you know, a tremendous amount of money. I think it was around $3 billion a year, <laughs> but they were valued at $70 billion. You know, yep. so anybody who, you know, doesn't really, isn't that knowledgeable about, about, you know, tech companies and funding would be like well that just doesn't make any sense um and what uber like the, the simplest way that i could put it is that you know they've raised i don't know maybe a series g or series f round they've made tons of rounds you know billions of dollars and what's value about their company and why they're able to have that valuation um for the most part is is one you know there's a belief that they'll one day be profitable but you know, for, for the majority of tech companies is it's data that they're collecting, you know? So it's almost like, you know, if you can build a, you know, a good company, 
with lots of data and lots of you know customers and access to their data you know that adds a tremendous amount of value to your company you know it doesn't matter necessarily if you're profitable or not i mean look at snapchat you know they had a great ipo i mean they didn't go so well afterwards but you know like <laughs> You know, like, you know what I'm saying? You're right. Even if you're, even if you're an individual athlete, you know, and you have, you know, a a decently large following on social media, um, you know, you have access to a lot of, of, of consumers and a lot of data, you know, and if you're going to invest in yourself, you're going to market yourself, you just got to find a way to, 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 to monetize that because that's worth something and it's worth a lot. Um, But yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, no, uh, understanding leverage, right? Athletes need, in my opinion, need to understand leverage. When, uh, you know, when when Gatorade, when Nike, when these brands pay athletes, it's an investment. They're investing Mm -hmm. into you and they expect anywhere between five to 10x of that investment. So if Nike comes, pays you a check of 100k, they expect to make 500k or a million dollars off of that investment so when athletes now begin to look at the world from that angle like you said this is a business they'll begin to appropriate opportunities a lot differently right and i think that's one of the one of the main targets and goals you know of of the, the athlete tech group is to get athletes to think more perpetual as opposed to transactional as well um, just to round off our, our, our questions, Jordan, uh, seeing that, you know, we're slowly running out of time here. Yeah. We, we've seen the, the impact that, you know, HDA, HDA has had, um, the NBA has had, but, you know, putting names on jerseys and putting black, black lives matter across the court in light of recent events going on in the sports world surrounding the topics of racial injustice and police brutality. How would Jordan Subban evaluate the NHL's reaction? And would you have any suggestions on how the league can be a better ally to the, uh, the BIPOC communities? Yeah, I think, I think the NHL um, being predominantly white, um, even if it's not, you know, on the scale globally, as, you know, the, 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 the NBA, let's say, um, or you know, in North America, as the NFL or the MLB, because it's 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 such a large, predominantly white league. Um, the 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 message that they send would hold so much value, mm. you know, coming from you know such a predominantly white league. You know, that's that could stand up and say, "Hey, this is important to us." You know, with the NBA, it's expected. You know, with the NFL with being a predominantly, you know, black, you know, black league in regards to its players, um, you know, say with the NBA, but, you know, with, with the NFL predominantly black players, you know, it's almost expected, you know, for players to come out and say that. And with, you know, the MLB, which is, you know, um, you know, it's, it's almost the same thing, you know, but with the NHL specifically because it's, it's so predominantly white, it would mean a lot if they were able to stand up and, um, do you know, do you know, do, do the jerseys or follow some of the steps that the NBA took? It would, it would mean a lot just because it's so predominantly white where it's, where it would be like almost, you know, if, 
if you're in America, obviously all these things are going on. If, you know, you know, the government, let's say, um, you know, is predominantly, you know, made up of, of white males, uh, um, you know, stood up and said, hey, this is a problem. You know, if Donald Trump and, you know, you know vice president and, you know, the majority of, uh, of, of the White House and said, this is a problem, this needs to be fixed, and they took a stand, it would almost, it would, it's, it's not fair to compare it, but because that's predominantly white as well, I feel like it would be, it almost have a similar impact into, you know, like, in regards to saying, like, wow, like, this is predominantly white, these are people in positions of power, and they're taking the same stance as, you know, a league that's, you know, 80, 85, 90% black, whatever, whatever it is in the NBA. You know, mm-hmm. so I think the NHL definitely, um, I would think it would be nice if they, if they, you know, followed or even partnered with the NBA, do you know, and said, hey, look, we want to take this, we want to be, be right there with you, whatever you're doing, we want to do it too. And, uh, you know, just being, you know, a, a hockey player um, that was part of that league, um, that would, that would be something that's making me proud, that, that would make me proud, but, um, you know, I don't know what they're going to do. So it's hard for me to, to speak on it. But uh, I know the NBA is definitely doing a good job. Um, that's kind of the league that everybody looks to. And, uh, you know, it would be nice if the NBA or if the NHL was able to follow some of their steps. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, we all have some, you know, some, some work to do. Uh, leagues, individuals, athletes, entrepreneurs. We can always be better. We can always, yeah. always, always be better. Um, you know, w- one thing that I took from, you know, the last dance, Michael Jordan and that whole docu-series was Michael found a way to challenge himself every day every day found something new to get him going found something new to challenge himself and uh, I think as 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 entrepreneurs and athletes and and just people if we find new ways to challenge ourselves every day everything will be fine everything will be 100% fine Jordan um definitely have to say thank you so much for joining us today for for an amazing conversation around you know your life your your personal life your family life um the business side to jordan suban the hockey side the tech side the the the, the entrepreneur side as well um and thank you so much for uh, joining us today on the unplugged podcast thank you man